Presented by Abitron Restoration Products, the Angie App, and RiverbendHome.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on projects around your house, whether it's decor, remodeling, or repair. We would love to answer those questions and help you get moving on whatever it takes to create your best ever home. Today is episode 2096, 2096. Wow. I know, right? Crazy. The numbers just keep getting bigger. And we are so pleased and proud to have been able to help you with these questions for so many years. So don't sit by, pick up the phone. It's a participation sport. You got to call us with your questions at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post them to moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, did you know that one dandelion can make up to 15,000 weed seeds? And guess what happens to all those weed seeds? They end up in your lawn. So if you want to win the battle against these little green invaders, we're going to share tips today on how to tackle stopping weeds for the entire season. And if you've ever remodeled a bathroom, one of the most difficult areas to get right is the shower. We're going to share a kit that takes all of the guesswork out of that project. And apartment living has its advantages, but a yard of your own, well, it's typically not one of them. But that is no reason to give up on the idea of having your own garden. We're going to show you how you can create your own bountiful garden using the space that you have. And we may even give you some tools to help you tackle those projects as well, because today we have a Hart 20-volt hybrid 12-inch string trimmer, edger, and blower kit to give away, and it's worth $154. Hart tools are so well-made, they're versatile, and you can find them exclusively at Walmart. So to qualify, you got to call us with your home improvement question. That Hart 20-volt hybrid string trimmer, edger, and blower kit is going out to one listener drawn at random. So call us, write us, post your questions. The number again, one Money Pit. The website is moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? All right, let's say hi to Katie in Massachusetts, who has a whole house dehumidifier question. What's going on? I purchased a wave ventilation system. Um, it was advertised on one of the radio stations that I listen to. Companies based in Canada, I checked them out, Better Business Bureau, they're all fine. But um, my electrician had a question for me that he's really not sure that I should keep it because you, you hook it up in the basement away from the... Heating system. The heating system, thank you. And then you open up a, a, a vent you know, to the top of the house, which we have, we, we did that up the, the basement stairs into the the mud room. So there's a vent there that will feed this, this system, but there's no return. And my electrician said, gosh, if you don't have a vent from the outside feeding in the air to circulate, he, he just doesn't see how the, the whole system will really work efficiently if there's not something feeding this flow. I think you've got a great electrician there and a guy who really understands building science because I got to tell you, I hear the advertisements for these systems all the time and they leave me scratching my head because 
you know, what they claim to do is to you know, dehumidify your basement. And the way they do that is they simply take the basement air and they pump it upstairs. Yeah, but then what do you do with all that moist air in the rest of the house? Well, upstairs, it, you know, you don't notice it as much because it doesn't collect and sit and the temperatures are warmer so it gets absorbed into the air. And of course, that means that the basement is going to be less humid because that moisture is being pumped upstairs. But if you pump too much airflow upstairs, you're going to depressurize the basement. And the reason it has to be that far away from the furnace is because if you depressurize the basement, guess what's going to happen to all of the fumes that are generated by your heating system? It's going to, the draft's going to reverse and you'll start filling your house with that combustion gas, like including carbon monoxide. Now, in a typical ventilation system, like let's say you have a really high efficiency house, uh, like my cousin's building a house right now that's an Energy Star rated house. He's using foam insulation, you know, it's going to be a really tight house. And I was explaining to him the other day that because it's so tight, you might need to bring in fresh air to this house. And typically, the average house, we don't worry about bringing in fresh air because our homes are naturally drafty. But when you build a tight house, you have to bring in fresh air to exhaust stale air. And the way they do that is basically by pulling in cold air from the outside and exhausting it with stale air from the inside. But they trap the heat so you're not exactly just filling your house up with cold air. You're able to sort of transfer it. There's a mechanical way to do that. Uh, These ventilation systems that you're describing are only one half of that. They're basically just sucking the moisture out of the basement and pumping it upstairs. So to me, it just seems like somewhat of a pointless exercise that potentially could go horribly wrong if the basement was depressurized. Have you noticed that the basement is less humid as a result of running this thing? We actually haven't even put it in yet because we're a month away from moving in, but I purchased it. But um, this wave ventilation system, the, the, the system itself is it's ducked to the outside. So what it does is it, it sucks the air in from the bottom from, you know, obviously the basement, but it, it, it draws from the top half of the house and it expels it. So, but I don't know how it's replaced. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. And, and that's what our electrician said. So the, the air that is circulated through the system is not pumped back upstairs. It's okay. actually expelled through the house, but what replaces it? Well, and also the other issue here is if you're going to take all the moisture, all the air from inside the house and pump it outside, then you're going to depressurize. And again, you may you may have to drive, you may drive up the heating costs as a result or the cooling costs as a result. Listen, I, I honestly don't think they're necessary. Okay. I wouldn't ever put one in my house. And uh, if you've not, if you can cancel the contract, I'd recommend you do that. Really? Okay. So what do we do to keep the basement dry? All right. So let's talk about that. So uh, there's a bunch of things that you can do. Um, Keeping your basement uh, as dry as possible starts at the foundation perimeter outside your house. Uh, You want to make sure that the soil slopes away from the wall. You want it to have it drop about six inches over four feet, well tamped down and and then covered with, uh, you know, stone or mulch or grass. But you always want to have that sort of slight slope away from the foundation perimeter. In addition to that, you also want to make sure that the gutters are clean and free-flowing and that the downspouts are extended four to six feet away from the house. That can help move the water away from that critical area of the foundation perimeter and stop it from uh, building up in the soil right against the foundation walls where it will get into the house. Those two things alone will will make a huge difference in how much moisture gets down there. Now, is the basement finishable? Yes. And it's beautiful. It's all rock. It's, you know, the the original owner who was previous to us, 
built this home and it's a fortress. Okay. So if you were to ultimately finish the basement and heat and heat it, um, that is also going to dry it out too, because warm air is going to absorb any uh, moist air, any moisture that's in the air. Um, the other thing that you can do is you could paint the interior walls with a damp proofing paint that stops just the normal soil, soil moisture from evaporating uh, into the house itself. And if it does ever get damp, I would put, I would put a, a dehumidifier down there before I put one of these big ventilation systems. I just make sure that I drained it outside. And you can do that through something called a condensate pump. Sure. Okay. Thank you very much. I hope that makes sense. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you're ready to get outside and take on yard and garden work, we are ready to help with a fantastic giveaway from our friends at Heart Tools. We've got the Heart 20-volt hybrid 12-inch string trimmer, edger, and blower kit. Now, this is perfect for small and medium yards, and it includes the hybrid 12-inch string trimmer and edger, the blower sweeper, and two 2 2-amp-hour 20-volt batteries, and a fast charger. Now, the 12-inch string trimmer easily converts to an edger with a rotating shaft, and the blower sweeper is lightweight and comfortable to use, but it generates crazy powerful air speeds up to 170 miles per hour. And the kit works with any Hart 20-volt battery or extension cord. Now, they're exclusively at Walmart, offering a complete line of tools and accessories so that you can easily tackle any project. Do it with Hart. You can learn more at HartTools.com. That Hart 20-volt string trimmer, edger, and blower kit is worth 154 bucks, but we're going to give it away to one listener drone at random. Maybe that'll be you. All you need to do is pick up the phone and call us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT or post your questions at moneypit.com. Stephen in Texas needs some help with a cabinet project. What can we do for you? Yeah, so my wife has uh, challenges with chemicals like uh, formaldehydes and glues and paints that they put in the kitchen cabinets, the new ones. And I was wondering if you had any idea, like, what a person could use that you could get away from them type of chemicals in cabinets. So you're looking for a cabinet manufacturer that is sort of formaldehyde-free and VOC-free, is that correct? Yeah, that'd be right, yes. Steve, that's an interesting question because when it comes to kitchen cabinets, so many of the products that go into kitchen cabinets have the potential to have VOCs or volatile organic compounds in them because you could start with the boards that are used to build the cabinets, if they're uh, a, a press board or a composite board of some sort that may have formaldehyde in it, for example, then you have the finishes and on and on and on. I think what you want to do is you want to look for kitchen cabinetry that is built to meet the new CARB-2 standard, that's C-A-R-B-2 standard. That stands for the California Air Resources Board, and that's a standard that measures the level of those types of toxins in cabinetry. And so if you search for kitchen cabinets that meet that standard, I think that's a good place to start. Would you have any idea, like maybe some um, metal cabinets, you know, like that would look nice in a kitchen, like... Would you have any ideas on something like that? Well, you'd still have finishes on metal cabinets that would have some of the same issues. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen metal cabinets in a kitchen in forever. Um, the Gladiator folks at Whirlpool are doing a really good job these days with um, metal cabinetry for laundry rooms and utility areas and uh, spaces like that. 
but I don't know if that cabinet line is going to extend uh, to the point where you'd have enough flexibility to do it in a kitchen. Well, I can share with you a vendor of a, you know, no formaldehyde added cabinetry. They're actually beautiful handmade wooden cabinets. I'm not sure of their price point, but I am familiar with the fact that they are not adding any chemicals to it. And they are very responsible in how they utilize the wood and the products that they use to make their cabinets. Um, it's a company out of Portland, and their name is Neil Kelly. And it's N-E-I-L-K-E-L-L-Y. And then there was a metal cabinet manufacturer that I was familiar with a while ago. It's Philip Metal, and it's F-I-L-L-I-P. Um, it's sort of this, you know, new revival of some interesting repurposed materials. And, you know, you might want to check them out as well. Okay, well, thank you very much for the information. I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, we all love a lush green lawn, but sometimes what's green isn't exactly grass, nor is it very lush. In fact, weeds can destroy a lawn and remove any chance of turning your backyard into a perfect putting spot. Yeah, that's right. And especially when you consider that just one dandelion plant could make up the 15,000 weed seeds. I mean, it's a wonder any of us win the battle against these green invaders. So to help, we've got a few tips on how to keep those weeds away from your beautiful lawns. Yeah, first of all, the best way to control dandelions and other weeds in your yard is to grow a thick, vigorous lawn. Now, dense grass is going to crowd out those weeds and then block the sunlight that their seeds need to germinate. However, that's not always so easy to do. Now, lawn weeds fall under three broad categories. Unwanted grasses, grass-like plants called sedges, and broadleaf plants. To get rid of them, you've got to identify the type of weed and then target that specific type. That's right. So the best solution is not a single solution. No single herbicide or weeding technique or lawn care tactic is going to work against everything. So how you attack those weeds in your lawn really depends on which one of those you have. Yeah. Now, if you're looking for some options that are not pesticide-based, a weed barrier really is a better solution. And another option is to get a covering on the ground that will compete with the weeds. Now, thick grass is going to crowd out those weeds and block their sunlight. So you got to get that to achieve that as well. And finally, remember the timing. That's pretty important. So if you're going to spray for weeds, you do that in June, July. And if you want to rototill and install a new lawn, that is August to September. Best time to get that done so that those roots have time to grow deep before the following summer's heat sets in. Sandy in Pennsylvania, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, yes, I was calling to ask about uh, building a garage My husband and I just bought a home. It's a uh, two-story colonial, but there's no garage. And um, we're trying to decide detached, attached, with or without a breezeway. Um, We know we want it to be oversized, um, but we're trying to decide uh, which would be the most efficient and convenient choice to go with. So it's as much an architectural question um, as it is a structural question because you're trying to figure out what's going to fit best with the property. So that amount that involves looking at the house itself in terms of its design and also looking at the neighborhood to uh, determine you know what's going to fit in well because it's okay to have the nicest house on the block, but it's not okay if it's that much nicer that the rest of the neighborhood pulls it down in value. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and and I think the rest of the homes are very, very similar, except they have garages. Okay. Well, then that's a good model for you to, to follow. Okay. Now, if you have the breezeway, then obviously you're going to have more functional space. So I'm not quite sure what we can do to help you with this question, because it's really a design 
that you have to kind of agree on with your with your husband, uh, and then and then set apart building it. When when it does get built, it obviously has to be built uh, by a pro in accordance with all of the local regulations, which are going to probably require that you have a set of architectural plans. Okay. So you may just want to start with that because an architects architects can help you look at the options very easily with the computer programming they use today and 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 give you a chance to look at it uh, from uh, several different angles, both outside and and inside in terms of available storage space and in different configurations. Okay. Um, Also, we need to replace the roof on the home. So I was thinking, you know, making it attached or with a breezeway kind of makes it a little bit more efficient as we change, as we replace the roof on the home, we'd be putting the roof on the garage as well. Okay, well, it would make sense for you to do the entire roof and have that folded into the same project, and then you could, in fact, fold it into the same financing, too, if you're financing the project. So, yeah, I'm all for planning those projects to be done together, because when the roofing team is on site, that will be the most cost-effective way to get it all done. Okay. And have it match. Okay. You know, we, we did our roof uh, in the last year, and we did everything but the garage, and the garage really didn't need it. But seeing that brand new, beautiful roof on the house, I just decided that I would uh, ignore the fact that I had a few years of life left in my garage roof. And we did that as well, which is why um, we always say that the three most expensive words in home improvement are might as well. Right. Right. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. All right, now we're going to chat with some of our Canadian friends. We've got Ronald on the line from Ontario, who's got a question about a ceiling fan. How can we help you? I want to replace a light fixture with a combination ceiling fan light fixture, but I'm concerned about supporting its weight. I can't go into the attic and construct the support because there's uh, no access. I bought a a device uh, called a safety brace for ceiling fans at Rona that uh, is the under, underwriter's laboratory tested, but I'm afraid it might not be trustworthy. You, you, you install it by removing the existing junction box and putting the brace through the hole into the attic and expanding it outwards by means of a, a threaded shaft. Would you trust this setup? Yeah, I definitely would because it's going to be just as secure as if you could nail or screw that thing in. As long as you can get from side to side, if you can get to the ceiling joist on opposite sides and you expand it like it's supposed to, it digs in securely to both ceiling joists and gives you just as much support as you might have uh, if you were able to access that attic and tie those in directly. It's actually a pretty ingenious device, so I think I definitely would trust it. Well, I guess I'll go forward with it then, but uh, it's just got the three claws on each end, three, uh, you know, 
nails or spikes on each end. But uh, if you, it's been tested. Right, and once you expand it into those joists, I mean, it's a, it's like a bar. You you go up in the hole, Leslie, and then you uh, you unscrew it, and as you do that, it expands and presses deeply into those ceiling joists. And as long as you do that and you get a good secure fit, I think you'll be good to go. It's been around for quite a while. I mean, that's really what's holding it up there, and that's the job. Okay, well, thank you for uh, that advice. All right, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you're a pro or a serious DIYer that remodels bathrooms, you know that one of the most difficult areas to get right is the shower. It's a small space. It's got a lot of intersections between the walls, the floors, the shower pan, the plumbing, and they all have to be assembled just right if you want a leak-free job, which, you know, we're all working towards. Now, Schluter has a solution that makes this process much simpler, and it assures you a leak-free result. It's called the Schluter Curdy, K-E-R-D-I, the Schluter Curdy Shower Kit. Now, first off, the Curdy Shower Kit completely takes the guesswork out of shopping. As long as you know the dimensions of your shower, choosing the right kit is very easy. Then from there, the kit totally simplifies the process and includes everything you need to create a completely waterproof shower area that is ready for tile, including a preformed shower tray for the floor, along with a shower curb, waterproof membrane for the walls, and a drain assembly. In fact, the only thing that you need to buy separately is a drain grate because there are just so many to choose from. Now, this kit's designed for professional installers or for an advanced do-it-yourselfer, and it really does the legwork for you. To learn more about the Schluter Curdy Shower Kit, you want to go to schluter.com or call 800-472-4588. That's schluter.com, S-C-H-L-U-T-E-R.com. Judy in Iowa is on the line with an electrical question. Tell us about what's going on at your place. My electricity gives me wonder. It's so far, so good. Our house is old. It was built in the late 1920s, and we love it there. It's a big old farmhouse, but it's got knob and tube uh, wiring in it, and the electrician said that was there that I'm not sure he's a full-fledged electrician, but he said that it was okay, and he said, just don't mess with it, and it'll be all right, but I just get nervous in the summer when we have the air conditioner on. Every once in a while, the lights seem to go dimmer when the air turns on. So I'm just wondering if we should stick with what we have, or is that a danger? Do I need to switch, or do we need to change it over to something else, or what? So knob and tube wiring is uh, the very first centrally wired type of house wiring that was available. And it's called knob and tube because there are ceramic knobs, like little, they look almost like drawer poles and they're attached to the side of the structure so that might be for example the rafters or the ceiling joists and then the wires are stretched from knob to knob to knob and where it goes through a joist there's a ceramic tube that's inserted in it and that's why it's called knob and tube now knob and tube wiring the biggest issue with it is it's not grounded nor is it groundable so it's unsafe from a user perspective, but even more important, you know, that wiring was done like in the 1930s and it's pretty much falling apart today. Very often you'll see the rubber insulation just break and fall off and crumble. And in addition to that, the reason that the wires are strung off the beam is because they have to be air cooled. And so guess what happens when you put insulation over that? It's no longer air-cooled, so it gets even hotter. So I think that knob and tube wiring is unsafe and should be disabled 
no matter what else is going on with your air conditioning. Now, as to the okay. air conditioning issue, that may or may not have something to do with the knob and tube. Whenever you turn on an appliance with a big compressor, it happens often with refrigerators or air conditioners. If the circuit that you're on there happens to be you know, somewhat close to the lighting circuit, that's the place you usually see it. That kind of thing happens all the time. But unless you have lights on, you don't physically notice it. But, you know, okay. it's not uncommon, for example, in a kitchen to see the lights dim once in a while in an older house whenever the refrigerator kicks on. Because nowadays we put those all in separate circuits. But when they share a circuit, well, then you're often going to see that kind of effect. So my advice okay. would be to replace the knob and tube wiring. Now, you can simply disable it and leave it in place. You don't have to take it out, but you want to replace it um as much as you possibly can. I'd love to see it replaced throughout the entire house. I know that sometimes that's difficult but it's certainly worth it, and it would be a lot safer if you did. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I was always wondering, and my husband says I think it's fine, and I'm a little nervous. I think your instincts are, are correct here, and I think you should uh, you should take it out. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you're ready to get outside and take on yard and garden work, we are ready to help you with a great giveaway from Heart Tools. We've got the Hart 20-volt hybrid 12-inch string trimmer, edger, and blower kit. Now, this really is perfect for a small to a medium yard, and it's going to include the hybrid 12-inch string trimmer, edger, the hybrid blower sweeper, and two 20-volt batteries with a super-fast charger. Now, I like how they've built sort of two tools into one here because the string trimmer converts to the edger with a rotating shaft, and then that blower sweeper is super lightweight, very comfortable, and generates 170 miles per hour breeze, which does a really good job cleaning up all of your leaves and grass clippings and other debris. The kit does work also with all the 20-volt batteries from Hart or the extension cord, and it's available exclusively at Walmart, where they offer a complete line of tools and accessories so that you can pretty much easily tackle any project. Do it with Hart. Learn more at harttools.com. The Hart 20-volt hybrid 12-inch string trimmer, edger, and blower kit is worth $154, and it's going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Call us now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your questions to moneypit.com. Dennis in Alaska is on the line and is having an issue with condensation. How can we help you? Um, I have a 8-foot by 8-foot by 40-foot steel connex box that I want to insulate and turn into a gym. Uh, the problem I'm having is as the weather changes, I get condensation inside, right. and it drips. So I'm not really sure how to go about insulating this thing, whether I should insulate on the outside, put another outer wall, or insulate on the inside, drill some kind of breathing holes. Or The type of insulation applications you're talking about are ones that require ventilation. There's another type of insulation application that doesn't require ventilation, and that's spray foam. And considering how large this space is, I think spray foam is an excellent application. It's done in very, very severe climates, just as severe as where you live. And it can be sprayed on the outside or it can be sprayed on the inside. And it's a non-vented um, applications. So you don't have to worry about any additional ventilation. Once this is applied, uh, those walls will be thoroughly insulated. And, uh, and and the nice thing about spray foam is it also seals out drafts, unlike fiberglass insulation. And I think if you consider the modifications you'd have to do to use any kind of a bat insulation here and, and manage that moisture, spray foam would be an effective and affordable solution. Okay, excellent. 
Sounds a lot easier than what I had mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take a look at uh, isonine, uh, dot com. I C Y N E N E dot com. And I would speak with an isonine dealer uh, near you. I used isonine in my own home, and I'm very, very thrilled with the result. Great, excellent. Thank you very much. Well, if you live in an apartment or a townhouse and you would still like to enjoy a garden this summer, a little planning and an assortment of containers of different sizes and depths are really all you need to set up your apartment garden plot on your balcony or your porch. Now, first of all, let's talk about containers. Now, the larger the container, the more crops that you can grow, but you're also going to need varying depths as well. For example, some crops like chives, basil, radishes, even lettuce, they're going to do fine in a fairly shallow container that's about, you know, four to five inches of soil. Other crops like an onion or mint, peas, garlic, even bush beans, those need at least six inches of soil depth to survive. And speaking of soil, it's best to stick with soil that's meant for outdoor containers. Now, most home and garden centers are going to sell soil designed for raised beds, which is essentially kind of what you have. And I like the soil because it's fertilized, it's rich in nutrients, and it's going to give your garden a really quick start. And as for sun, most plants need about six hours of sunlight a day to thrive. So if your urban gardening space doesn't get that much sun, you're going to either have to stick with varieties that can do with less or consider putting the containers on sort of casters so you can move them around to sort of follow the sun as it moves throughout the day. Yeah, and finally, don't forget to plan for a good watering can or even a drip irrigation system. There are some really helpful small and automatic drip irrigation systems that are available. You can find them on sites like Amazon, and they're designed specifically for container gardens. Yep, and just like those bigger gardens, creating and maintaining urban gardening from a balcony or a patio or a doorstep, it takes a little bit of time and commitment, but listen, there's nothing like stepping out onto that balcony to gather up fresh ingredients for a meal pretty much whenever you want. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Charlene is apparently getting tired of cutting her own lawn, and she's asking, what are the benefits of artificial versus real grass? I'm considering cost, watering, sitting and playing on it, and mowing. You know... That would seem like a dream come true, wouldn't it? And you just—I'm telling you, so many it. people in my town have it, and it looks really? gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks great. I, I wonder, doesn't it look a little weird though in wintertime? <laughs> um, I mean, most of the people I know only have it in the backyard, okay. but that's perfect because that's where the kids are playing, and you don't mm. have to worry about the constant upkeep. Right. Well, I mean, the downsides of an artificial lawn are first that it's expensive, and many homeowners also claim it can get really, really hot and uncomfortable to walk on. I mean, we see that a lot with composite decks too. The mm-hmm. material is so dense, it just picks up the heat and it sits there for a long time. So if you're on a lawn chair, you know, you may feel like you got a heater kind of underneath you warming up your backside. Um, I mean, it also needs professional installation because like anything, you can find good products and you can find cheap products, but you're not going to find good cheap products when it comes to this. You want it to look <laughs> just right. So that means the base of this has to be perfect, right? So there's a lot of work 
to strip out your old lawn, make sure you have the right base under it. I mean, if it's not installed right, it, it could end up looking like stretched out carpet, right? <laughs> With all the extra rolls and flops of material there that the kids could be tripping over. So it's got to be done very, very well. But I guess it comes down to personal preference. I mean, if the folks in your neighborhood are enjoying it, Leslie, you know, that's great. Um, I would, though, probably keep it to the backyard. I just think it would be really strange in the winter to see like a bright green like golf course color in my lawn in, in, you're right. in November or January or February, whenever you know, you're used to seeing a lot, uh, something quite different on down the street. You know, we have a Good Morning America. We have some really fancy, you know, turf that we use when we do segments outside. And it's so funny when we put out 30 feet of lawn in the middle of Times Square and it really looks real. So if this is something you're into and you've got the budget for it, make sure you look at it, touch it, find the right depth, thickness, all of it that you're going to enjoy. All right. Now, Jackie's got a question, and she says, we have a fairly long concrete driveway that's 28 years old, and it's showing a lot of cracks. Is there an option to fix this short of tearing it out? Yeah, they're just surface cracks. In other words, if the sections of concrete aren't shifted, you can recoat the entire driveway with a product called Recap. It's made by Quickrete. Uh, it goes down pretty easily, and it totally adheres to that old concrete surface. It will not separate, and it'll look like a brand-new driveway once you're done. Well, Joanne from New York has posted a question online, and she writes, Our wood deck has many cracked and or split boards, and some are starting to peel. We can't afford to replace it at this time. Is there any way that we can fix this problem? Can it be sanded? We coated it last year with a semi-transparent seal, which took a beating over the winter months, and now it looks terrible. First of all, you certainly could um, sand it again, and you could reseal it again or restain it again. But if it's just a cracked board that's really causing the problem, there is a trick of the trade for that, which uh, works very well. And that is, think about it, usually all those cracks are caused by exposure to sunlight, Joanne. So if you were to pry that board up, you will find that no matter how long it's been down, the underside of it is in almost pristine condition. It'll be a little dirty, maybe a little mossy, but you can clean that up, but there'll be no cracks on the underside of the board. Why? Because that has not been exposed to sunlight. So you can fix a cracked board really easily by taking it up and then flipping it over and then reattaching it to the deck. Now, of course, it'll stand out a bit because it'll be a different color and you could deal with that when you're ready to restain the deck. But the cracks and getting rid of those sharp edges and splintery kinds of surfaces can be handled by just flipping that board. Well, you've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show, but we are just about out of time. We really appreciate you spending part of your day with us, and we hope that we've given you some tips and advice that you can use to improve your space. If you've got questions, remember you can reach us 24-7 at 888-MONEY-PIT or by posting your questions at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Live in a Money Pit.